you're anything like us, you spend a lot of time watching the news. Now, we're reading it constantly, and we're focused on companies because it's sort of our job. But there's so much happening all the time, it's really hard to focus. And this is a problem for basically every investor, figuring out what's noise and what's signal. And for our clients at MSCI ESG, we actually publish sort of a week in review from an ESG perspective. It's for an investor who, even if they know the news, maybe they don't know it from this perspective. I'll give you a concrete example. Say you read about some major merger of two companies, like a multi-billion dollar acquisition. Most of the market tends to think of product synergy. And side note here, my dad once told me if I use corporate buzzwords like synergy in sentences, I should instantly get promoted. So Linda, if you're listening. And while the market might be focused on how the combined company's products might look or what the combined revenue or size is, our focus is sometimes just a little different. Because in a merger, you're often merging two different corporate cultures, two different sets of oversight, two sets of employees. And when we talk to our clients, our focus might be what happens to employee productivity when these companies merge? Or what happens if the company with weak oversight, like a non-independent board, is taking over a company with strong oversight? Is this a new risk for investors? And that's the perspective we target in tiny bites in our weekly publication. And that's what we're going to try to bring to you now. And today, this is the first version, a beta version, of a new podcast stream we'll call the ESG Weekly. And the we, the we is Mike DiCibato and me, Matt Muscardi, and hopefully a host of our analysts who know way more than we do about these things. So without further ado, here's Mike. Oh, sorry, I f forgot to mention, Mike wants to have his own personality, so he wrote his own opening tune. Let me cue it up here and roll tape. Hey, everybody, I'm Mike DiCibato. I'm the guy who Matt, the host of ESG Now, can't pronounce the name of even though he hired me, by the way, which makes it more painful than I'm going to expound on on this podcast. Anyway, welcome to ESG Weekly, our first of what we aim to be a weekly podcast where we cover last week's news, but from an ESG perspective. So today we've got two stories. First, we're going to talk about a Nordic bank that is under another money laundering scandal, which has been a blossoming situation in Europe in the past couple of weeks. And second, we are going to discuss a situation that might not be in the headlines as much, but is very dear to my heart. And it's a report by a nonprofit advocacy group about toilet paper and its big environmental problem. So let's get into this. Nordea Bank 
has become the third Danish bank accused of money laundering in recent weeks after a Finnish broadcaster reported on leaked documents showing the bank handled 793 million in questionable funds. By the way, some of those funds were linked to the death of a Russian dissident who died a rather grisly death in prison. And I brought Chris Vernon, our lead analyst for the financial sector, to talk about this issue with Matt and I. Okay, so we were talking about uh, Nordea and the money laundering scandal they're finding themselves in. So, it's money third laundering. one, by the way. Third one in Europe. I mean, the fundamental thing about money laundering and, and sanctions violations is an internal control question. Like, do you, do you as an institution, as a bank, have the controls in place to monitor the transactions that your you or your customers are making. So Chris, what he said was they're going to embed a regulator in the bank, and that regulator is going to somehow give better oversight to these bankers. So, so the way the regulator is proposing to deal with it is to second compliance people from the regulators into the banks full time, and have so you're going to have yeah compliance uh, government employees sitting in the banks to make sure that they're all doing the right things, which is a pain for the banks. It's going to slow down business to have to have more red tape. Um, but in, in terms of being able to assess it from the outside, it's yeah, it's extremely difficult. So it's not like this was something that came entirely out of the blue, but I guess because of that, because it was so known, it just strikes me as surprising that they still couldn't do anything about it. Like this isn't something that came out of the woodwork and yet you can't set up a system that controls for this. It's like knowing a risk and not being able to do anything about that risk. I would feel better about it if the risk was unknown. Honestly, I think the, the takeaway for me, like for, for, for money laundering, but a lot of these things, like a lot of these banks, it's not like they have all of a sudden they've money laundered $50 billion, right? Like mm. it doesn't happen like that. It's usually like this small pattern of, you know, this, the, the risk management is not necessarily independent. Maybe they, maybe we've seen one or two or three little kind of controversial things like they get fined for this or fined for that, but it doesn't seem that material. The only thing you can really do if is in my opinion, if you're an investor, you can't wait for the regulator. If you're waiting for the regulator, it's already happened. The thing you need to do is is look for the patterns of behavior beforehand. Sometimes you won't catch them, but the chances are you, you'll at least have a sense of what you can ask the company when you engage about where they are. It's unlikely that that will be the end of the story, so we're going to keep our eyes on this as it develops. For our second story today, we're going to talk about something that everyone uses daily, toilet paper. The NRDC released a report that found that many major brands are using unsustainable materials to produce their toilet paper and have refused to switch. This is pulp that is produced from cutting down, as according to the NRDC, forests in Canada. This includes Charmin Ultrasoft, Kirkland Signature and Angelsoft, they've all received an F grade because they contain little or no recycled material. Sometimes I think about this, like if there's no demand for for super soft virgin pulp mm. toilet paper, then, then we don't have an issue here. 
right? Yeah. Because they yeah. will be making yeah. recycled toilet paper. Yes. Um, profits, profit. Profits, right? profit. They need to sell it. They need to sell it. But, if, but I'm, what I'm saying is the consumer is is really... It's always a bit of a trade-off. Is, yeah. is the consumer driving what the, the, the company's decisions? Or is, is in this case, is the company telling us that, that hey, you know... Three ply virgin. Let's see. Yeah, so Sorry let's imagine. <laughs> let's imagine those focus groups, right? Of the, yes. the companies that have tried the the, the recycled one ply, right? Know, eco-friendly. Right. Yeah. yeah. Everyone goes away for five minutes and comes back. <laughs> and like, so how did you guys find that? <laughs> yeah. When I talked to Matt about it, I asked him about their point on consumer demand. I mean, it's a complicated thing, but okay. So here's here's what I'm curious about. How are these companies going to do how do these companies do sales wise when they start to get called out for their environmental issue so there's your big esg question there's your big esg question right like what is the effect of a of a social advocacy or a social um change in consumer preference on a, a company's bottom line that is something we watch all the time whether it's palm oil, I don't know about toilet paper, but palm oil or sustainably um, a sourced material of any kind, like seafood. Um, uh, I mean, there, you could run down a list of things. Like you just take things like you know BPA and plastic, right? People are doing BPA-free plastic because the whole, you know, the, there was like a whole ecosystem that changed. The customer preference changed, and suddenly. And I think that does, you do yeah. see that in sales. It may not happen right away. And you're right. If there is toilet paper momentum, it will <laughs> likely happen. Maybe maybe I shouldn't be so glib about it. Um, but that's the ESG thing. All right. That's it for the week. Thanks to Matt, Dan, Chris, and Bentley for joining me. And thanks to Megan Eastman and Rick Marshall for their always invaluable input. This is the ESG Weekly, part of the ESG Now podcast by MSCI ESG. If you like it, rate us, subscribe, comment, and share. And tune in next week for more news. Oh, great. I'm going to bug everybody. I know, like, I'm going to be kind of annoying. Is Wait, 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 uh, wait, wait. What are you tangibly doing about toilet paper? Well, so you just go up to people and you're just like, what are you wiping your booty with? <laughs> Wait a minute. It, I mean, it sounds personal, but it, I mean, it's not that personal because they'll just be like, okay, I, I use Charmin Ultra. I like the triple ply. But you know you know what the messed up thing is? The confusing thing is a the lot of these. The thing is using one ply. That's what messed up. <laughs> messed up. <laughs> <laughs>
Further, none of the information is intended to constitute investment advice or recommendation to make or refrain from making any kind of investment decision and may not be relied on as such. The information provided here is as is, and the user of the information assumes the entire risk of any use it may make or permit to be made of the information. Thank you.